rumor, a currently circulating story or report of uncertain or questionable truth. This is Rumors of Grace, where I talk to people rumored to have found beauty and truth in broken and uncommon places. Welcome to another episode of Rumors of Grace. As always, this is Bob Hutchins coming to you from beautiful Franklin, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. I'm connected on the phone today with Mr. Austin Fletcher. He is in northern Michigan, and Austin is the host of a really, really interesting podcast, which I'm grown to love. It's called New Age Christianity. So we are pushing the envelope today. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, we all know, according to his podcast, uh, he talks about the world is changing, technological advancements in travel, communications, learning, science, money, business, entertainment. On and on it goes. Uh, they've changed everything that, that we know uh, and how the world works for over the past 200 years, yet most must, uh, most of the world's population can't seem to figure out what all of this change means for their respective belief systems. So we're talking about my brother from another mother, Austin Fletcher, coming to us live, well, not live, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, right. from Northern Michigan. So Austin, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Bob. It's a pleasure to be here. So, New Age Christianity, wow, could you have picked a more controversial uh, uh, topic and title of your of your podcast? I love it, personally. If, if, if there was a more controversial one, I would have picked it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, let's begin the way I always start my podcast. Um, who is Austin Fletcher? Where did you come from, grow up, all that good stuff? All right, well, you know, I was, uh, like a lot of uh, people in, in church world, I was born and raised Christian. Went to Christian school. Um, was part of the worship team in junior high, all the way through. You know, I became a, a professional full-time worship leader, an associate pastor. Um, I ended up getting married in 2004. Moved out to North Carolina to help my mentor. You know, take a traditional Anglican church and turn it into a more modern church. And I got booed off the stage almost literally um, because I played a guitar and not the keyboard. So. You know, wow. from from and and then I went to Nazarene Church. I've been I've spent time at Baptist churches and non-denominational churches and Dutch Christian Reformed churches. And I, through all of that time, I I kind of began to realize like the point of spiritual intention is really does it work for you? Mm-hmm. And for me, the question becomes, you know, and what is the definition of working for you? Well, it's pretty simple: fruit of the spirit. Do you have more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness, etc.? And I found most religious systems give you more judgmentalism. They give you more, you know, they give you more guilt. They give you more works and stuff that you have to do. And so, for me, it became about, you know, the the biggest question that I asked myself is was was this what the cross was meant to be? Mm. Was did Jesus die on the cross so that I could keep trying harder, doing better, and still sucking? And the answer was no. And so I had an experience. Um, I ended up fasting and praying for 10 days um, after, you know, in full disclosure, I used to be addicted to pornography. And I just got so sick of it. And I was, you know, in five years of marriage, I had only looked at pornography three times. And that third time, I just was so sick of it. And I just prayed. I said, Spirit, 
I know that the cross is more powerful than this, and I would rather die of starvation than keep living with this stuff. So either you show me what I don't know, or I'll just eat until I emaciate into nothing, or I just won't eat until I emaciate into nothing because this is not worth it. And uh, long story short, 10 days later, um, had an experience that at the time I could not have explained or, or framed as anything other than it's what I had asked for, and it was real, and it changed the heart of me. Um, and all I did was go spend the night on the beach because I felt like I was supposed to. And I woke up the next morning, and the sky was bluer. The the waves were crisp. The birds sung louder. The, the, the sun was warmer. I mean, just everything had changed. And, and now what I know is the truth of the removal of the old nature, mm. that, that the lie that we're still sinners until the day we die. Well, you know, I was told for years, well, baptism is just a symbol for other people to know that you're a Christian. Well, it can be, but it's also a symbol for the truth that the old Adam nature, that there was, there is no more Adam, um, is dead and gone. Mm. And when I actually finally believed that I wasn't a sinner anymore, uh, lo and behold, I actually started living like that. (laughs) And it's almost like you apprehend the reality of spiritual truth by faith, and then it finds its way into your real life. And people Mm. want to become perfect before they believe they are, Mm. versus believing they are before they actually become it. So that kind of shifted everything for me. I was at a Nazarene church at the time, which the Nazarene church was kind of founded on the idea of entire sanctification. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started actually preaching it. And they asked me to be quiet and leave. Mm. (laughs) So um, I ended up leaving within about uh, two months of having that experience. And Moved down to Florida. There was a teacher down there by the name of Tony Tadella. Uh, he's the only man I met at the time who could explain to me what had happened. Um, I sat down and had a meal with him, and he explained to me the truth of what baptism was. And I realized, oh my gosh, that's exactly what happened to me. That this old Austin was dead, and that this was a new life. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history, because now I live in northern Michigan. I've, you know, New Age Christianity is a thing for me, and it has really just been the set of principles of. If it's the fruit of the spirit that comes from the things that I am learning, then it's safe. And that makes people scared mm-hmm. because, you know, there's so, new age people are some of the most loving people you'll meet. They're very, they can be anyways. They can also be judgmental just like any other religion. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it just, that experience opened me up to my relationship with spirit and with father and with Christ can be so much more personal Um and that uh, gave me permission to mm. become the weirdo that I am today. So that is the short version of my story. Mm. And and how did you end up in northern Michigan? Uh, following Spirit again, I, I uh, for a season, I got really uh, preoccupied with emergency preparedness and the end of the world mm. until I found until I found preterism. Uh, but uh, I even wrote a book on pre- emergency preparedness that. Category five preparedness guide, which is still smart because hurricanes happen and stuff. But I was really, you know, I was looking for the end of the world, the second coming of Christ. And I lived in the middle, literally the second largest apartment complex in the country, 500 acres of apartments Mm. uh, in in Tampa, Florida. And I was right in the middle of it. And I was like, you know what? This is not the right place to be when the world falls apart. Mm. So I moved up to northern Michigan there's a bunch of fresh water up here. I'm in the, I got 10 acres and I, for a while I had chickens and goats and, and, you know, 
a garden and all sorts of stuff. So I've since found preterism and believe that most of those scriptures already happened in 70 AD. But uh, nonetheless, I am still here. I'm actually probably going to be moving to Columbus, Ohio very soon okay. um, for another project I'm working on. But that is how I got to Northern Michigan, at least. Yes, yes. Well, so that's quite a journey. Um, <laughs> it, it begs a lot of questions. Uh, first of all, like, how do you see yourself now? Like, where are you in your journey? You know, obviously you've walked and, and you know, you started this discussion off with something that I've, I have pondered quite a bit the last couple of years. And that is, you know, you said the primary question you need to be asking yourself is it, does it work for you? And I, I, I am total agreement with that. Like if, if, if your faith and your experience with the divine, with God, with Jesus, whatever you want to call it, um, is not bringing you peace and love and joy and, and, and kindness, um, at a deep, deep level and at a satisfying level, um, then, um, something is 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 not right something mm-hmm. then you need to move to something that is um right. the argument of that uh as you know is well you're not put here to make yourself feel better it's not about working it's about what's true and what's not true um mm-hmm. what would you say to a person who says that to you i mean i would i would uh, you know when when someone begins to spout that you know, it is about what is true and what is not true. I guess I, I am very conversational in how I teach. And so I would probably ask, you know, in this case, I'd say, okay, so you tell me what, what is true and why. And often I find that if you just ask a bunch of questions, then in inside their own argument, they start to understand that maybe what they thought was so incredibly perfectly true is more subjective than they previously thought. Right. And I would argue if it is, if it's completely true and there's no subjectivity and it is well thought out and it's fully logical, then it will stand the, it'll stand the questioning. Mm -hmm. And I would like to think by the end of that discussion, I would agree with them Mm -hmm. because I've also seen that it's true. So I, for me, it's, um, does come down to the fact that Jesus is logic itself. Mm. You know, he is the, he is the logos. He is the word become flesh. He is the very thing that frames all things. And so, uh, you, if, if you listen much to my podcast, I do a whole episode on who Jesus is, um, that I believe true spiritual growth and, and faith is a hundred percent combined, uh, uh, it can be joined with logic. It doesn't have to be the the idea like, well, we'll never really know. Well, that's interesting because the Bible says that we've been given to the Spirit of God so that we can know, mm. that we can freely know. And so this this idea that faith has to be stuff that you could never understand and God is bigger than you can ever comprehend, that's not scriptural at all. Mm. And I believe the window into that is that Jesus is logic itself. And so any discussion... That's why, you know, when you ask me, you know, hey, man, is there any, any areas you're, you're afraid to go to? No, because for me, if it's logical, my goal at the end of any teaching, any discussion is for someone to go, you know what, that makes sense. I don't want, I, for me, if it is, 
well, I, you obviously know what you're talking about, so I guess I'll believe you. No, that that because the next the next guy who comes along and sounds smarter or more or, or makes his argument more vehemently is this, they're going to take it away from you. Mm. And so I want to help people find the intelligence in their own divine mind mm. to be able to understand God and understand themselves, understand the universe. That way, it doesn't matter if I'm in their presence or not. They need one. They did not learn it from me, and two, nobody can take it from them um, unless there's a better idea. And so, uh, the idea of truth to me being as static as a lot of people say it is, it's a safe thing to always open up that box and go, okay, well then let's look at this truth. Let's look at it and let's let's examine it. And let's ask some really tough questions because if it doesn't stand the test of it, and you get all emotional and defensive then we're starting to get into dogma, not truth. And that's fine, but you just need to acknowledge that that's what it is. Yeah, I think, I think there's a confusion uh, many times when you start talking about truth, when you start talking about knowing, when you start talking about uh, agnosticism. Um, those are all things that um, they, they're very loaded um, with, with a lot of baggage. And so when we... For me, what I've come to the reality is there is an infinite knowing. There is an infinitely knowable divine presence that mm -hmm. you can know by experience. You can know by other people's experience and by reading and by different types of sacred or, or just documents in general um, that have been passed down. But there's also... Um, an infinite depth of that so that you are constantly knowing, constantly asking questions and it never yeah. ends because it goes deeper and deeper. Um, and so how then, how then, because you stated something earlier, you said, I don't believe that you, I don't believe I, I, I challenge when people say we can never know for sure. What, what, what about this? There's, there's a paradox I think in this is that, you can both know it, but then infinitely know it, and the and the mystery is the is the knowing. Um, sure. So, talk to me. Unravel that a little bit. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, I would I would what I'm hearing you say is essentially what I call the spiral of truth, mm -hmm. right? And so, when you believed something that made your life better, and you believe something that that brought those, the fruits of the spirit into your life, you get, you became more loving and more joyful when you became a Christian than when you weren't awesome. Um, and then now years later, you're starting to see that maybe there's some ideas and some, some leaven in some of the things you were taught. And so then you question those and you, and you've come back to the same thing. Well, what do I believe about Jesus? I've, I've questioned Jesus probably five or six major times in my life, not questioned, but just like, what is he? Who is he? What does it mean? And each time it gets more and more refined and it gets, and it gets better and better. And so then my question to myself is, does it, you know, I've, I've just revisited who Jesus is. I've changed everything I think about it. I have more love, more joy, more peace, more kindness, all that stuff. Does that make the first five times a lie? Or does that mean that, that they were, those were truths on a way to more truth? Mm. And now that I believe something higher, does do I judge myself for being a loser or mm. for being wrong when at the time it was a better truth than the one I was living? And so it can sound like I'm saying that truth is relative and it's it's one of those 
there's a lot of people in, pe- in people's minds. Truth is like a destination. And so to say, well, this, this truth is all over the place. No, truth is a journey in my mind. Truth is the pursuit of more. And yeah, there is this unfolding of there to, to say that I know the truth and then to discover more truth. It does create that paradox of, well, does that mean that that was a lie? Yes. Because it, it did, it did provide value. It provided fruit of the spirit in my life at that time. And now I'm going again. And I think, that's what nature shows us through the idea of, of seasons, through the idea of pruning, through the idea of, of growth and producing fruit. Does, does a small fruit tree have any less truth than that same fruit tree five years from now? Mm-hmm. Um, it's still produced fruit. It's just producing more of it. Does it make the fruit from five years ago invalid? I don't think so. And so for me, that, that spiral of truth very much kind of comes back to, to my statement where I say, I, I push back against somebody who says we'll never know, not because, you know, it doesn't mean that we'll, we, we can know it all or we ever will know it all in that sense. It means that we can, we have access to, we have the spirit of God who knows all things. And so for me to put a belief barrier between me and knowing whatever it is that I set my heart to know by saying, well, there's just, I'll never eventually, I'll never know it all. Well, guess what? Congratulations. According to your faith, be it unto you. You're never going to know it all. Mm-hmm. But if you stand there in, in the belief that I have access to knowing anything that I set my heart to, that if I ask, I will receive. If I seek, I will find. If I knock, it will be opened unto me. And the reason I push back is not because it's that there's this finite amount of truth that we can eventually become the smartest people in the world, but because it's a belief that holds people back. And so I push against the belief, not necessarily the mechanics of how far someone can go into truth. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. You know, what? what's difficult for me, and maybe you can help me with this, is um, that uh, transcending and including is what you basically are saying, is is that you transcend where you were, but you include it along the way. Um, so mm-hmm. you don't leave behind and say it's not good. You say that was useful, and it was true on some levels. Um and it's brought me to where I am now. And now, just like the order of all creation and of all things, as things progress, you you know you you keep journeying, you keep growing. You're you're not the same person as you were. Um, those are all truths. I guess what makes that harder and hard to comprehend for a person like me, it's the time. So for instance, if I'm 22 and I go through something and I learn something by the time I'm 25, it's real easy for me to say, yeah, that, you know, that was a, that was a great, there was nothing wrong with that. I needed it at the time, but now I'm growing. But if you spend half your life in a system of belief that um, didn't serve you well from looking back at it, and now You've brought in. You you wake up one day through whatever reason or or or, or event um, that you are looking at a new reality, a better and a more evolved and a more helpful and a more loving and kind uh, and a more um, bigger reality that is serving you better. It's easy to look back at those years spent and said, "Wow, if only I would have." Right? Um, sure. That's the hard part. I, I, I completely agree that it is when you have that aha moment 
and you realize, oh my gosh, I've been living for how long in this bullshit crap over here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's it is one of those great uh, <laughs> teachable moments, if you will, to realize that uh, there is a trust factor with spirit. Um, someone, you know, in the new age world, they call it the universe. You know, I very, still very much call it spirit, um, that he will lead you into all truth. And that, that for me, I would sit down and ask the person, okay, so you're here and you're looking back at the last 10 years or the last 20 years and you're feeling down about the fact that it took you 20 years to get here. Now I can understand that that's annoying because 20 years is a long time, but would you be here without knowing what you knew before you got here? Oh, absolutely well, of course not. not. Yeah, of course. So then the question is, well, how can we speed it up so the next time it doesn't take 20 years? <laughs> exactly. <Right. laughs> and for me, the answer is the following intuition, following the spirit. Mm. And often we, it, it is for me the number one tool, the number one thing that human being human is about is about connecting with the uh, the law of vibration, the law of attraction, the law of creation inside the human individual, the creative process inside of the human individual as uh, coined that phrase comes from Thomas Troward, my favorite author. Um, the creative process in you has mechanisms by which you can engage with growing on purpose. Mm. Heaven forbid. Like we kind of wait for maturity to find us. Right, right. Um, and to say, no, 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 I, I know there's more. And for me, the definition of more is until I look exactly like Jesus, um, I know there's more. And he suggested that there's even more beyond that. Um, but at least until I look like him, I'm, I'm going to keep stretching and believing for more. And so what is the mechanism by which I can do that on it as quickly as possible? It becomes the truth of following intuition and it's knowing without understanding. It is... Uh, stepping out. And that's what, you know, I, I heard for years, well, what is faith? How do you have more faith? And it got super mystified and faith was for the special people and only, only the powerful people and chosen people could heal and, and do those things. But the reality is, is it's literally following that gut. It's following your intuition. It's following that thing that says, do this, even though it makes no sense, even though it's scary as hell, even though it's going to hurt people's feelings or, or ruin your life or ruin somebody like that stuff is the stuff that speedy journeys are made of. Mm. And if you want to take it slow and take it safe, great. That's fine too. It'll be a, it'll be a much smoother ride, but it will be slower. And so I can guarantee you that person who spent 20 years taking that long to get here, they had plenty of moments where they could have listened to a different teacher or reacted differently in a conversation, but they got scared and they didn't follow that intuition. Instead they bucked against it and it took Often it takes some pretty rough circumstances to get people to that next stage. But what would happen if you just flow with the life, if flow mm. with spirit? Yeah. I think that same, it's still going to take a journey, but it can go a lot faster because now you're flowing with it instead of fighting it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. I love that. Um, talk to me about your podcast, New Age Christianity. I know, I know it's, you know, you're talking about different subjects. Do you ever have guests? You don't have guests on there, do you yet? I do. I, um, okay. and I'd like to have you on there. Um, <laughs> okay. I love I, it. I've had, I've had Cody and Elaine Johnson from, uh, the uh, reckless pursuit podcast. They've been on there. Great. Um, I do 
I do a series called Interview with a New Age Christian. Um, and it's basically, and part of that is, you know, do you call yourself one? Um, and then just kind of what you're doing, just different questions and kind of questions about people's journeys. And then I've had other guests as well, um, bringing in people who uh, have more knowledge about certain things. Like I had a guest, uh, you know, um, Kat Marcel, who knows a lot about, you know, the whole idea of like stones and crystals and that kind of new age mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, gonna, I have a, another friend of mine I'm really close with who's the most articulate individual I know about uh, the five love languages. So mm-hmm. um, she'll be on and we'll be talking about that. But uh, yeah, I do guess as well. Okay. Well, talk to me about, um, you know, what type of uh, response you're getting. Because when I was, I, I grew up in a in a more conservative Christian environment. And when people talked about new age, it was always like negative. It was like, oh, it's the <laughs> hidden dangers of the rainbow. And, you know, there's going to be, you know, the devil is orchestrating this grand plan for the end of the age. And, you know, Christians don't dabble in New Age stuff because it's woo-woo and, you know, Oprah plays in that world and all those those type <laughs> people. Um, talk to me about, you know, I love, I love that you're going there. I love that, you know, the whole concept of we are put quickly evolving as a human race and science and knowledge. There's new discoveries coming out every day about the brain, about this space, about going to Mars, about on and on it goes about different cures for different things. I just saw they found a cure for Ebola. It's no longer an issue, which is a horrible Mm. disease in Africa, but now they've found a cure for it. Um, Just on and on it goes. And so, Naturally, if all of these things are evolving and they're growing and we're learning and becoming, um, you know, a better people as humans, um, naturally our faith should evolve with that. But for some reason we get stuck and we're still doing things the way we did in Sunday school at five years old, you know, a hundred years ago. Uh, what is that kind of the concept and, and, and are you finding a warm welcome? Are you getting pushback from it? So, yeah, I mean, there's there's three human systems that are always lagging behind the political system because of people wanting to hold on to power, the education system because they want proven systems before they start educating somebody on, on people on the new things. And this in our generation, things change every six months. Um, I don't know how the education system could actually keep up uh, in the way that it's been built. We're going to have to completely rethink education altogether. Um and then, um, and then religion, religion is always the last one because it's, again, I believe it's a power structure more than anything, but it's also fear. It's fear of being wrong, fear of going to hell. And that's how religions get built. And so when you use that fear based, uh, fear always slows down growth. And if not, if not just kills it. So, uh, one of my primary goals is to re- remove fear from people to hand that, to pass out freedom mm. and a God who, who is super, super for you. Um, and is not afraid of you doing anything stupid. Um, stupid things can certainly bring consequences to you, but he ain't counting them against you at all. Right. So the um, so if we can get rid of the you know look at these three systems. For me, uh, I do have ideas on how to change some of the others um, on education. I the project I'm going to move to uh, Columbus for is kind of embracing the reality that you can find whatever teacher for whatever subject you want now anywhere in the world on the internet um, and kind of building a platform to facilitate and foster that. I do have another idea that begins to then bring some uh, change from the bottom up politically and economically. 
but I'm starting with religion because I believe, uh, for me, the our faith and our relationship with the divine uh, is kind of the ultimate bridle on the human potential. And do I get kickback? Absolutely. It's funny because I get these emails. I have a contact form on the website. And I get these emails with like copy paste of huge articles or videos or whatever. Um, it's people who, they don't actually say anything. They just come in and they copy paste some, what somebody else has said as evidence of how evil I am or that the devil is real or whatever. And then there's like no engagement. And then I'll, you know, I've, I've had some pretty funny comments on the YouTube channel, stuff like that. But by and large, um, there's a massive group of people out there that I believe are, are ready for new age Christianity. They, um, the name is meant to be a bit offensive and it's actually not so much about what it sounds like. It's not about new age mixing with Christianity and having two religions in one. Um, it's actually more a reference to the fact that everything is changing, right. that we're coming into the age of Aquarius and that, uh, just like back in 70 AD, when everything changed from, uh, Aries to Pisces, we're now going from Pisces to Aquarius. And it, all you have to do is look around as you read in my, in the intro or the description of my podcast, everything is changing. Everything is different. And it's time for religion and spirituality to catch up with that. So it is embracing this change. It's embracing the fact that the internet exists. It's embracing the fact that nobody wants to go to churches on Sunday morning and pay for salaries and buildings anymore without, you know, I mean, it's just church is dying and I believe it's God doing it. It's not the devil doing it. The same, you know, the Jews thought it was the devil killing their church too. Talk but it to, wasn't. Talk to me a little bit, and I agree with you 100%. So I want to talk about those. But before, I want to back up. You said the, the age of Aquarius. That sounds like some evil astrology stuff. Talk to me a little bit about that. <laughs> so the uh, you know when Abraham mm-hmm. first talks to God about um, being a father, mm-hmm. and God says, you know, Abraham, look at the stars. And uh, if you can count them, so shall your seed be. Right. And if you go back into the original Hebrew, uh, we have interpreted it in English as, you know, hey, one, two, three, four, like Abraham, if you can, can, if you can count them. But the actual word there is the Hebrew word for scribe or tell me the story. Mm. So it literally is saying, Abraham, if you can tell me the story of the stars, mm. I'm going to do that through you. Interpret the stars. And, mm-hmm. Right. And the stars tell the story. They have, there's a reason that. Uh, Virgo, the virgin, gives birth um, in the stars. There's a reason that, uh, you know, the dragon now is known as Scorpio, but the dragon squashes the head of the baby that Virgo gives birth to. There's a reason that the lion or Leo is the one pursuing the dragon. There's a reason that, you know, is now you have Aquarius where it is the man pouring out the, the water from the clay vessel. Does that sound familiar at all? Mm. Um, you know, so these, the, and then when, when you go into scripture and you understand what the Jews meant when they asked Jesus, you know, tell us the sign of the end of the age. Uh, he, they weren't talking about the end of the world. They were talking about the end of the age of Aries. The, the age of Aries is the, the age of the Ram. Mm. And guess when that started? Mm. Just right about the time that Abraham found the Ram in the thicket and didn't have to sacrifice his son. And then you have the age of Pisces, which is the fisherman. And Jesus comes along and says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. You have the, before Aries was Taurus, 
And there's a reason that when the Jew, uh, the Israelites are at the base of the mountain, uh, when Moses is on the mountain, they make a golden calf because the calf was the god of the age before. So, and they worshipped Taurus or the, the the you know the big calf, the Egyptian calf with uh, the the sun disc between its horns. Um, so, biblically speaking, astrology and the ages and the stars is thick throughout that entire book. Hmm. Um, and Jesus himself comes in and, and plays on that same thing. And yet, uh, somehow, in the last few hundred years, we have lost a connection with the fact that it, that every major culture throughout history has had the same 12 constellations, and that, every, and that it was God who put the stars there for signs and for seasons. Hmm. And so, yeah, astrology has, you know, astronomy or, or whatever... <laughs> The study of the stars has, has been through the ringer, just like any other spiritual practice. And I'm not the biggest fan of modern day astrology, uh, but there is something to even the uh, the signs in our stars and uh, when we're born and so on and so forth. But I digress. Point being is that the constellations and the concept of the ages is very, very biblical. Um, Martin Trench, if you've not heard of him, Dr. Martin Trench does an amazing teaching uh, on the ages, like showing that throughout church history, it was a known thing, the, even the sign of the ichthus, right? The fish that is on so many people's bumper stickers mm-hmm. is a reference to the age of Pisces, mm. which is the fisherman. So uh, the ages, the stars, the constellations, the signs, the seasons, the sun and the moon, the 12 tribes of Israel for 12 constellations, the like it's little known that the 12 tribes of Israel, their, their banners had the constellations on their banner. Mm. Um, they knew they represented the stars. They knew that they were 12 tribes and that, that, you know, uh, the sun and the moon were their mother and father. Like it was just go read the story of Joseph. It's not a mystery. Um, it's thick throughout there, but somehow we've forgotten it and we've said it's of the devil mm. and as if the devil put the stars there. Yeah. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. So, so you, you, I know you're getting a lot of positive feedback and on your guests and the things you're talking about. Um, where do you see um, faith journey? Because you, you're in the construct of, of Christianity. Where does your kind of journey and belief system and the way that you approach kind of faith and truth and, and, and searching as a searcher, where does it make room for other religions or does it? Uh, I make a lot of room for other concepts. I, I um, and I know what you mean by other religions, and it's one of those, you know, knowing what people mean versus uh, trying to redefine the word. Because obviously, I don't make room for religion at all. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> but other concepts, other faith, other wisdom traditions. Um, as I said earlier on, you know, does it produce the fruit of the spirit in you? Mm. I have. I don't. If you're familiar with Ian Clayton, no, I'm not. He's a he's a Christian teacher. He's um, and I'm really I'm pretty good friends with one of his main kind of proteges, uh, Arun Boldanchani, and I love those guys. I love what they teach. They teach about going into into the spirit, into the third heaven. They're very very Jesus Christian centered, um, very biblically centered, um, but it is more charismatic, if you will, um, about being in the spirit and having experiences in heaven and stuff like that. And I bring them up to say this. There was a season where I felt like I needed to learn that, wanted to get into that, and it's this, it's really great stuff. But I found for myself about six months in 
that I wasn't having the type of success that I'm used to in spiritual growth, and it was starting to produce condemnation in me. Mm. Now, it wasn't because Ian Clayton was condemning me. It wasn't because the concepts were condemning in themselves. It's because for me, the fruit that was in me was condemnation and uh, try hard to do better even though you still suck. And I, I left that world. And so I can feel that immediately when somebody when somebody has this great idea, this great, this great concept, I'll use a modern one, like, like meditation, right? It's a very new agey thing. Look, if you, if you try to meditate and all you get is condemnation because you're not doing it right, then that is the very definition of it's not working for you. Mm -hmm. Right. I know people who go into do the Ian Clayton thing and they just do it effortlessly. It's life giving. It breathes, you know, I know people who love going to Catholic church and the idea of mass, and the idea of that kind of very religious uh, structure somehow gives them peace and it gives them joy and it gives them life. That's what, if it works for you, do it. And that to me is why I can be open to it. There's not an idea out there that scares me uh, in the, in it, in of itself. It is. And maybe that's dangerous. And maybe people are forget. Oh, you know, you're going to find the devil somewhere. Well, if I find the devil somewhere, I'm going to beat him because I of who I carry inside of me. So that's easy as well. Um, it is, the truth is love, joy, peace, patience. The fruit of the spirit is what I look for in any wisdom tradition for myself. And then I, at the same time, I look for it in others. You know, I, I, again, very good friends with Arun. I told him, I'm like, dude, I can't do that whole going to courts of heaven thing. Like all I get is condemnation. All I feel like is I suck and I need to try better or do better. And he laughed. He's like, well, that's, then you shouldn't be doing it. It's not for you. And I'm like, no, exactly. I don't. But I'm not going to condemn him because he does, right? right? If he finds life in it and he finds the spirit, then good for him. That I want the world full. Of, I want to live in a world full of people who found the spirit, mm. not found not found what I believe. So would you? So would you fall on the same lines of say a Richard Rohr or others who talk about the universal Christ? Um, I'm not very familiar with his. I've heard the phrase. I know who Richard Rohr is, but that's about it. Mm -hmm. um, well, this concept from the. This concept of uh, his book, The Universal Christ, which is brilliant if you haven't read it, but it, it's this whole idea of Christ, you know, his last name, Jesus' last name was not Christ. Uh, Christ <laughs> is a bigger concept of, you know, mm -hmm. the, the universal presence that is in and through everything, um, that uh, it's not... Uh, uh, it's not a. It's not saying that, that, that God... Uh, is a chair or he is a tree, but that his presence permeates that chair and tree because he is, you know, or she or whatever you want to call it is everywhere. And the manifestation uh, of God uh, is in the cosmos and in everything. And so therefore, Jesus was the human physical manifestation of the Christ of God. Uh, and we needed that physical person to put skin on what that looked and felt like and lived like. But yet, you know, the first scripture, the first Bible was creation. Uh, you know, it's it's like R Richard Rohr says all the time is, you know, what do you think God was doing for, you know, 13.5 billion years before the Bible was written? Do you think God was just sitting on his hands, not talking, not doing anything? Um, of, mm. co of course not. Uh, he creation was the first scripture uh, that was the Christ, and so this idea of the universal Christ is that 
is perfectly manifest in the human called Jesus, um, but also manifests itself and its presence in, in other things as well. Um, and we, like you say, that we can learn from those wisdom traditions that that truth, if it's the same truth producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, then it is of the Spirit. It is of the Christ. It is the manifestation of God, wherever that may be or wherever you can find it. Would you agree with that? Yeah, by and large, it's, uh, you know, I would love to sit down and have a more detailed conversation about so many of those, but it is one of those. The truth that, that Christ, for me, I would, you know, Christ is logic and logic holds everything together. Mm. And that, and there's a way in which that is true. Um, and it's a very, it's a very deep statement that people go, oh yeah, for sure. And then it's like, no, let's actually talk about what that means. Mm. And so for sure, yeah, the universal Christ being in all things, you could, you could have hours of conversations about how that actually works. But on the surface, it is absolutely, um, absolutely what I believe. And that mm. is. Uh, it, for me, the, the Jesus in his, one of his last things that he talked about with, uh, Peter, if you remember, and Peter asks him about John and, and Jesus looks at him and it's as if it's like one of the last little lessons, like Peter, what is it to you that I decide what, what I decide to do with John? It's none of your business, mm. right? There's this, there's this underlying reality that are this underlying uh, habit of, of humans to seek for people who agree with you because we find validation in the fact that other people think the way I do. Mm. And somehow their sense of belief uh, reaffirms my sense of identity. Um, yet, and then when they change their belief, suddenly either I have to discount them as a human, uh, hence all the wars, all the religious wars throughout history, uh, or ideological wars in general, or it throws me into a tizzy because I really, really looked up to that person and now I don't know who I am. Mm. Uh, I just find it very interesting that we measure ourselves so closely to other people's belief systems when Jesus says it's the spirit who will lead you into all truth. Mm. Not the Bible, not this teacher or that teacher called no man father, right? And, and it is, I believe, meant to be very, very specific, which is why when I, I used to look at the fact that there's, what is it, 44,000 Christian denominations now yeah. and 4,000 <laughs> official religions in the world. Right. I used to look at that as, as a shame and that we should all be in agreement and there should be one denomination and there should be one religion. And now I look at it as evidence of the fact that, you know, at this point, we're still doing it the wrong way by all means. But the fact that there's so much variety and there's so many passions and people, there's people who are passionate about the, the about earth and mother nature. So they go towards, of course, they're going to gravitate towards a teacher or a religion or a concept that, that majors on nature. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. And then there's other people that major on relationships. So they're going to gravitate towards teachers that have a passion and a heart for love and marriage, you know. And we get passionate about the things that we care deeply about. Yes. And then we surround ourselves with people who think the same. And then somewhere in there, we flip the switch that then suddenly that means everyone else is wrong. Right. And that's the part that... Tribalism. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's collectivism in the political arena is, it's, oh, you want to get me going on a soapbox? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's fascinating in this whole idea of... Um, panentheism versus pantheism this idea i think what you're saying is you know pan panentheism says that 
you know, God is in all things, but also transcends all things, uh, versus mm-hmm. uh, the difference of pantheism, which we're not saying it says, you know, God is all things. Uh, I don't believe that. I think that God is in, but transcends uh, all things. And that's where, you know, an understanding of that gives you the freedom to give what you're talking about, other people the space to experience their own journeys, however, whenever, and in whatever method they need to. Uh, and that's the infinite depth of this divine order that, that we find ourselves in uh, versus chaos. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think really getting out of a dualistic mind, getting into understanding and seeing that life and things and people are are very complicated, uh, and there are many, many, many sides to any situation or just topic or agreement, disagreement, rather than just black and white, right or wrong, mm-hmm. bin- binary. Um, and and unfortunately, uh, that's what we're pushed more and more to toward. Uh, in in the society we find ourselves in is more and more binary, more and more tribal, more and more right or wrong, black or white. And yet, uh, deep in us as human beings, we know that's not true. We know that's not the reality of the way things really are. But yet in our heads, uh, there's this um, kind of thing that's saying, pick a side, pick a corner, um, and everything else is wrong. And I know I'm right. And it causes this confirmation bias, but then it causes, you know, cognitive dissonance. Talk a little bit about that and what you've seen in your own life and how you kind of, what you're trying to get people to understand. You know, there's probably the easiest way I could, I could just kind of poke holes in that whole concept is to ask anybody, you know, if, is there anything that you believe now that you didn't believe a year ago? And how right were you a year ago? And it, I think we all kind of instinctively know. And by the way, if anybody's answer is, nope, I believe everything that I was taught, <laughs> yeah. then our conversation's over because you scare me. Um, right. Right. But, uh, you know, as far as like we instinctively know inside our own journeys that, you know, I did learn. I used to believe this about pick a subject. It doesn't even have to be a spiritual one. Um, just anything. And, and, and suddenly people, kind of, well, that's different. Why is it different? Because I give myself permission to change. I just don't give other people permission to be wrong with me uh, or, or disagree with me. I, my attempt is, again, to hand out freedom mm. and to help people understand that God has a big enough, I don't know, uh, he's, he's patient enough for you to be wrong today. And uh, maybe tomorrow, if you're still wrong, he will... Uh, destroy your life and give you cancer. But today, let's just pretend like maybe he's a loving God and that <laughs> that if you're wrong about all this stuff that we're talking about and maybe I'm wrong and this stuff that I'm sharing really is of the devil, if you have Jesus inside of you and if you have the spirit of truth inside of you and you, and you are on and you are in the light and I'm in the darkness and so on and so forth, then giving it an honest, intelligent look should not be a problem. Mm. And for me, when people say, no, no, that is a problem, then it is, I'm, my hope is that it's evidence to themselves that somewhere along the way they have not believed their own 
lies, right? Because I, if you if you are too afraid to listen to anything else, then what that really means, in my opinion, is that you're not actually sure about the things mm. that you say you're sure about. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, Austin, I think that comes down to differences of personality and way we're wired, and a lot of baggage of our upbringing. I run into For this. Sure. I run into this a lot, especially with people that are very religious that were brought up in religious backgrounds. There's some people that just, you know, don't want to talk about it. And when you start to dig deep and question the hard things, um, they just turn off. And it's like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to go there. I don't want to discuss it. Uh, I know this works for me, and I don't want to challenge that. And mm-hmm. that type of blind allegiance, uh, again, I think it has a lot to do with certain people's personality. Um, that's just the way they're wired, and that's okay. Everybody's different. They've got to find their own way. But I also think, too, it speaks to um, a generational thing. I was just talking um, uh, with with Cody and Elaine uh, of the Reckless Pursuit podcast. They're millennials, um, I have children that are the same age in their twenties <laughs> and, uh, there is this total different perspective on, you know, when you're brought up with a huge amount of information, access to almost anything you want at your fingertips from all over the world, um, and you're brought up with an awareness, a much greater awareness of the reality of science, of technology, of right or and and wrong in the sense of how other people view that that concept of right and wrong and you're not um you're willing to to go there more and the lines are a lot more blurred than being black and white and i'm not saying that that's mm-hmm. always 100% accurate because it's not and it's not always healthy but then and, and in a lot of other ways uh when you're looking at that and you're looking at your own life um, we've all got to come to the point where we say it comes full circle to to what you originally said when you open this. Does it work for you? Are you happy? Are you joyful? Are you at peace? Are you caring and being kind to other people? Um, and I think that's every human being has got to ask that honestly. Uh, mm-hmm. And until we do, uh, I think we'll keep you know, chipping away at uh, whatever we think brings us those things until we just can't do it anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, I, I, I want to get there quicker than, than later, but um, it takes me a long time sometimes to get there. Sure. Yeah. I tell you, I, for me, you know, Jesus says the truth shall set you free. Mm. And uh, people take that phrase and they go, then they go out and they, they pursue truth. But in, inherent inside the phrase is the reality that truth feels like freedom, mm. right? And so what if instead of pursuing truth, you pursued the things that set you free? Mm. What if you pursued the energy of freedom? Mm. Don't pursue the mentality of truth because I think, uh, you know, that can be <laughs> that can be the complete antithesis That's because right. most most people who preach truth they preach condemnation and they preach bondage. Right. But if you actually listen to the teachers who make you feel free, mm. and that's where your truth is, 
listen, listen to the, read the books that make that, that feel like freedom. They feel dangerous. They feel wild because that's what freedom is. And he came to set us free. And freedom is the emotive experience that Jesus came to give us. And in our Western culture, we're so much, so intellectual that we're in this pursuit of truth. Mm. But if you could flip the switch and, and, and move out of your mind and move into your soul and look for freedom, you can feel freedom from a mile away, especially when you get used to it. And when you get used to freedom and you're used to that, to the wildness of, of having a God that can, that can run and play with you through the craziest of ideas and the weirdest of conversations, and you know that that spirit has never left you, it has never forsaken you, and that it is leading you into all freedom, mm. that if you can flip the switch from a mental pursuit of truth to an emotive pursuit of freedom, you will find yourself in freedom. Mm. <laughs> you will find yourself good. and you'll look around and you will find yourself in truth. So basically um, what you're saying is if you pursue the things that give you the most joy, they give you the most fulfillment, they meet the deepest needs of your heart, whatever that might be, whether you're creating something or working at something or being something or whatever it might be, really you're pursuing your deep heartfelt dreams and maybe it's something that you've never ever told anyone or maybe you were afraid to do in in fulfilling and doing those and experiencing that that's where you will find truth is that what you're saying yeah and it's it's an interesting it's, it's a nuance to the energy of it everything is energy um and so the nuance, let me see if I can unpack it a bit, because it isn't just about pursuing the things that make you happy or this thing. Mm -hmm. um, because sometimes you feel more free by doing the hard thing. Yes. Sometimes by, by breaking your heart or, mm -hmm. or scaring yourself out of your mind by quitting your job or whatever. Like sometimes it's not about, oh, this is going to make me happier or this is going to, this is going to be more fun. It is about this. There's there's a sense of freedom in this. Mm. Somehow I've become in bondage to this scenario, fill in the blank. And if I follow the energy of freedom, whether it's scary or not, whether it's fun or not, if I follow freedom, I will find my truth. I will find mm. the truth that spirit has for me in that. Um, that is where people, you know, uh, it is you know, one of the reasons that people are afraid to go out and pray for the sick and and try, you know, if you didn't grow up Pentecostal or charismatic and you grew up, you know, in, in more of a Bible tradition like I did, the idea of going out and praying for random strangers on the street is scary as hell. But if you can understand that there's a sense of freedom in that wild abandon to just ask a stranger if you can pray for them, it's, it is super challenging. It is that, that adrenaline rush and it's scary and everything like that. But again, this is, this, there's no cut and dry formula. There is no like, well, you know, if it's working, if it doesn't work for you, then don't do it. But I will say, I do believe that the pursuit of freedom as an energy works for everybody. It just looks different. Mm -hmm. um, freedom for me is not the same as freedom for you and vice versa. But so, yeah, I mean, it is very much about the pursuit of happiness. It's very much about pursuit of the things that give you joy and peace and everything like that. But sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's scary as yeah, crap. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But it can good. still have a sense of freedom behind it. 
That's good. Um, Austin, this has been a, a, a really enlightening podcast. Thank you for the conversation. Um, I just want to say, as I do at the end of all my podcasts, I give a, a real word of encouragement. Keep doing what you're doing. Man, you are um, talking about things that we need to talk and unpack. Um, so thank you for doing that. Thank you for enlightening me uh, and helping mm-hmm. me in this hour. So um, just want to encourage you to to keep pressing on. Um, I think you're on the right track, and um, you're going to you know, continue to to do such a great work. Uh, so with that, where can people find you, your podcast? Do you have a website? What kind of things are you working on? Okay, yeah, we got uh, newagechristianity.org. Um, and then we've got, uh, so this website's got the, all the podcast episodes and blogs. It's going to start having more and more stuff. Um, 2020, I've, I've got quite a, quite a few ideas for what to do there with some some e-learning classes, probably doing an event. Um, I know we've been, uh, this podcasters community, we've been talking about doing a kind of an event together. So that's probably coming up, but we have a Facebook community group, um, at, uh, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> new age Christianity, I think is the name of the page. And there's a private group. Um, it's invite only, although very shortly there will be a link on the front page of the website. You can just click and automatically take you to it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the podcast on all the major channels is New Age Christianity. And uh, we are going to be featuring other speakers um, and more, you know, thought leaders in this idea. I don't, I want to build a wisdom tradition, not a business. Yes. I want to build a wisdom tradition, not a, not a religion. Mm. So um, to build a wisdom tradition for me, it's about getting other voices and uh, inviting discussion and conversation. And so, uh, yeah, come join the conversation. and. If you're somebody who has some different opinions or, or wants to talk about anything, our community group is pretty active and getting more and more active by the week. So Fantastic. come join us. Well, thank you, Austin, for, for your time and um, hope you stay uh, warm in northern Michigan this winter. And uh, <laughs> I, I really do hope that, that this podcast will drive a lot of more people to, to listen to you and engage with what you're doing. So thank you. Awesome, Bob. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Talk to you soon. All righty. Bye-bye.